0: But I wanna to speak to you tonight about something that God has been stirring on my heart. It's, um, it's I'm just gonna say this, it's the title. Will you trust God when life doesn't make sense? Will you trust God when life doesn't make sense? It's easy to trust God on the mountaintop. When you get a promotion from work, when you buy a new house, you start dating the girl your dreams and you get married. When you have plenty of money in the bank, it's easy to praise God and say, I trust God when everything's going your way. But it's very different to trust God when you're in a storm in life and everything around you seems like it's turned upside down and you don't know which way is up. You can't hear from God, it seems like. And God seems very distant and nothing seems to make sense. It's in those moments of great adversity that the true test of our foundation is laid bare. And what is your foundation made of? What is the quality of your foundation under extreme pressure and difficulty, the storms of life. God took his people, the Israelites, as he brought them out of Egypt. After 430 years of slavery, he he brought them out of Egypt and he was taking them to a promised land, the land that he promised to give his, their forefathers. But the Bible says that he, he took them a roundabout way. It wasn't the shortest path to the promised land. It was twists and turns, and it looked very different than what they thought. And so instead of trusting God, they started complaining. A whole generation missed out on God's promise for their life because they lacked trust in him. They refused to trust him. Isaiah 59, 55, nine says this, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God sees infinitely further than we see. He sees all the outcomes and he knows what's best for us even when we can't see it. And he's inviting us as his people to trust him by faith, So I have a question for you. Will you trust God when life doesn't make sense? Will you keep walking with God when life turns out differently than your expectations? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. If we're going to walk with God successfully, sometimes, I'm not saying we don't listen to wisdom, but sometimes we have to turn off our carnal brain because it can lead us astray. God wants us to learn to trust Him by faith and walk by His Holy Spirit. His ways are higher than our ways. And when we trust God by faith, He will lead and guide us towards our destiny and our purpose and live a very fulfilled life. The most incredible life you could ever live is a life walking with God in communion with Him and fulfilling the purpose He has, the assignment He has for you on this earth. Amen. Between your calling and the appointing of your calling are silent years. God might anoint you and equip you to do something great. Anoint you. He's empowered you to do it but the actual stepping into that calling, many times there's a lot of years in between that. They're processing years. There's twists and turns, moments you have to trust God by faith, not by sight, to see the dream God put in you come to pass. These moments won't make sense to your carnal mind, your human reasoning. God will ask us to trust Him by faith. Throughout scripture, God says, the righteous shall live by faith. It started with Abraham, our forefather, who who was uh, the father of our faith. And throughout scripture, even into the New Testament, it says, the righteous shall live by faith. That is a standard. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And so if you have everything, just go your way whenever you want, and there's never difficulty or twists and turns, does that take much faith? God sees further and he knows what it, what it will take for us to develop as his children and to the full purpose he has for us. And many times the road and that path we don't sign up for. Moses could sense God God's calling on his life. God had spared his life. He was in slavery and there was... Um, a command by Pharaoh to kill all the baby boys in the land at that time. And his parents hid him. And Pharaoh's daughter found him at the Nile River. Moses' mother put him in a little basket and put it out into the river and the reeds. And Moses's, not Moses, Pharaoh's daughter found it. And he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And he grew up in luxury. He grew up in the best of the best in Egypt. But one day he went out to see his people and he saw an Egyptian slave driver beating a, one of his fellow Hebrews. And he was so moved by that, in the flesh, he killed the Egyptian. Pharaoh found out about it and he went, in, out, he went running and he, and he was in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness, he sensed God's calling to be a deliverer, but it was the wrong time. He did it in his own strength, and then he went out into the wilderness for 40 years. I don't know about you, but 40 years is a long time. I'm 41. 40 years, I'd be, I was one years old going into the wilderness. That, that, that's a long time. So what happened during those 40 years. What went on in his life? He became a shepherd. Serving sheep in the wilderness. This is what Numbers 12.3 says. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. In those 40 years, God humbled him. Instead of trying and striving in his flesh, he came to an end of self. God completely depleted Moses of striving, of trying, of arrogance, of pride to where he became a humble man. In fact, when God actually called him to go deliver his people in the burning bush, Moses said, you got the wrong dude. 40 years earlier, he was the man for the job. Are you seeing that? But God, through this difficult experience and what he never signed up for, went out into the wilderness and he became a humble person that God could use. And it, was, it wasn't until Moses was completely emptied of himself that God said, now is the time. <clears throat> Are you willing to trust God when life doesn't make sense? When you lose your job? When your marriage partner leaves you? Your knight in shining armor hasn't appeared yet when all your friends are married. You face an unexpected illness. The loss of a loved one. The dream God spoke in you seems so far away, impossible from coming to pass. Can I encourage you to trust God when life doesn't make sense? God is faithful at just the right time. He will bring to pass the dream in your heart not a second early, but not, a, but not late either. He, there is purpose in the trial you're facing. There's purpose in the difficulty. God uses these tools or trials in our lives to develop character in us. So that on the other side of the trial, when it's finished its work, we come out looking very different. We, become out, we come out on the other side where God can use us to do something extraordinary for his kingdom purposes. And I wanna encourage you to trust God when life doesn't make sense. Joseph had to trust God when life didn't make sense too. He was 17 years old and God gave him a dream that one day he would be a person of great influence and his family would serve under his leadership. His brothers didn't like that because he told his brothers the dream and they were jealous of him. Out of envy and hatred, they sold him into slavery. How would you like that? Your own brother is selling you into slavery. He went to serve in Potiphar's, the captain of the guard's house. And the Bible says that God was with him. But he didn't understand what was happening. But God was with him and he succeeded in that environment. And one day Potiphar's wife started making lustful eyes after Joseph. Trying to make advances towards him. And She grabbed a hold of it. He said, no, I can't sin against God and I can't sin against my master I can't do this and she falsely accused him of rape and her husband Potiphar threw him into prison It went from bad slavery now to prison Not exactly my idea of what God wants to do something great It looks like it went from bad to worse and very bleak and I'm sure there were days Joseph thought am I ever gonna get out of here? I'm away from my family never to see them again, but God was faithful. In prison, God elevated him, and there were two people that served in the king's court that were put in prison, the baker and the cupbearer, and they each had a dream one night, and Joseph said, I can interpret your dreams. God has given me a gift to interpret your dreams. One of them, the baker, would be killed in three days' time. Not exactly an encouraging dream. But the other, a cupbearer, Joseph said, you'll be reinstated before Pharaoh. And when you do, remember me. I have been falsely accused and put in this prison. It's unfair. But the Bible says that Joseph, it, the Bible says that the cupbearer forgot about Joseph for two more years. Has it ever felt like you were like, Come on, God, get with the program. We need to move on from this. But it took two more years. But at just the right time, God gave Pharaoh a dream that none of his wise counselors could interpret. The cupbearer at this moment remembered that Joseph could interpret dreams and the Pharaoh summoned him. And he was able to divinely share godly advice about there's going to be seven years of great prosperity in the land, followed by seven years of famine. And what you need to do is you need to save grain and resources so that during the seven years of famine, we will save Egypt. And Pharaoh said, there's not a wise person like this. I'm going to, I'm going to pull you out of prison and you're going to be the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. You're going to be the prime minister and only in terms of the crown will, anyone be more, will I be more powerful than you. God put him in a great position of power at the right time. Think about this. Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. He spent 13 years in slavery and in prison. Then seven years as prime minister of Egypt where the land prospered. Then two years into the famine, Joseph's brothers finally visited Egypt to get food because their family ran out of food. God was bringing this full circle behind the scenes working to bring to pass the dream that God gave Joseph. That his family would serve under his leadership. This is what happens next. Genesis 45, 3-8 says this. Joseph finally meets his brothers, and this is what he says. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. See them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But I don't understand. But... Don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has been that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there'll be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Joseph preserved his family the lives of his family and all the land of Egypt. He could have remained bitter, angry, and upset, but instead he showed mercy and kindness to his brothers. Think of all the time he spent away from his family, 22 years of lost time. And when he finally gets before them, instead of showing them anger and bitterness, he showed them mercy. He looked through a different lens. He looked through a lens of compassion. He carried God's heart for people and his own family. The lineage of God's people came through Joseph's family. So, so get this. He extended mercy to his family and God saves all of Egypt and, his, and Joseph's family. And that's the lineage of King David's line through the family of, of Joseph, Joseph's family and his brother's. And then the Christ, the Messiah, the son of God, were part of his eternal family. He came through the lineage of Joseph's family and God saved that family line lineage because of Joseph. He looked through a different perspective. You see, the trials in our lives, God refines us. He puts us under pressure and removes the difficult, the the anger, the unforgiveness, the bitterness that's inside of us so that we can accomplish his kingdom purposes. There's purpose in the trial and the difficulties many times that we face. And if we'll ask God for his help and learn to trust him when life doesn't make sense, he will show us incredible truths that will arm us for the days ahead to fulfill our mission and purpose in this life. Between the anointing and the appointing are the, silence, the silent years or the, and trials and a breaking of self-reliance. God used those difficult times in Joseph's life to to develop him as a person that God could greatly use to influence the world for his kingdom's sake. I believe I'm looking tonight at a bunch of Josephs who may have faced very difficult things or maybe right now you're facing extreme difficulty and you don't know which way is up. But I believe God wants you to trust him, that he is at work even when you can't see it. And he sees the end, but he wants you to trust him for the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And at just the right time, you'll look back at your life and you'll say, oh, that's why I went through that. That's why I went through that challenge. You see, I had a dream. God put a dream in me 21 years ago to help set people free Spiritually. To help people encounter God, to know God, to experience his amazing grace and his love and his mercy, to help people understand that God has a great plan for their life. I thought I was so ready for the ministry. In fact, I thought God was lucky to have me on his team. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but that's P-R-I-D-E, pride. I was ready. I was ready to go take on the world for Jesus. But God had a different plan. He had a roundabout way of taking me through life's difficulties to transform my life. And one of those experiences when I was in college, God had stirred in my heart that he had a calling on my life, but I had a lot of wrong mindsets, a lot of pride and arrogance and hurt hurtful things that I had experienced that came up in negative ways in my personality, in my life, in the struggles I was facing. And God was wanting to remove those. You see, I had been, I was sexually abused at 16 years old, and that was a very painful experience in my life, and I was a damaged person. In college, God, had put this calling in my life, but I had all this brokenness that I had, I really didn't even know it was all there. And one day, I started having all these homosexual feelings come out of me. And it was so confusing, and I ended up giving in to that. And I was so broken by what I had faced. I didn't know which way was up. This storm was so confusing and so scary I didn't know who I could talk to. I didn't know what I, w- which way was up. I was scared out of my mind. And I just was crying out, God, speak to me. Do something. What is going on? And I had all this heaps of condemnation and guilt from what I had gone through. And in that moment, I felt my calling was over. That this strong, brilliant, powerful Corey, my journey was over with God because I had made the most horrible mistake of my life and I was labeled. And I didn't know what to do or where to turn. And one day I was reading through a scripture in Matthew 5.3. It says this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And it was like God showed me this scripture. I never understood the scripture. But when you recognize you're spiritually bankrupt and there's nothing in and of yourself that deserves God and heaven, but your complete hope is in God through Jesus Christ, you are blessed. You're spiritually bankrupt. Nothing left to offer God. You are empty. You are extremely blessed. And I remember thinking, God, take this away from me. What are you doing? And I'll never forget, he said this, this is good for you. And I was like, how on earth is this good for me? This is the most horrible thing ever. And I will never talk about this, God, never. He said, mm mm-hmm, we'll see about that. Because you see, Corey, it has been all about you. And I'm removing the all about you from your life so that it's no longer about you, but my kingdom purposes. And you see, I had a critical judgmental spirit towards people that were broken and that struggled with issues in life and that were beat down because of failures or things that they were still in and struggling with. And God was like, Corey, what I wanna do in your life, I can't do as long as you are in the way. And I am gonna allow you to fall flat on your face so that the only thing that you can do is humble yourself before me. The Bible says pride comes before a fall, but humility comes before honor. God was bringing me to a place that I could look through a different lens and I could look out at the crowd and have compassion and mercy and grace and lift the fallen instead of push them down. God is looking for people he wants to use, but it's, it's, it's in the difficult seasons of life that we learn who God is and what he's not like. We learn that he is a faithful God and that he can take broken people like I was. I was so broken. I felt like Humpty Dumpty dum- that could not put himself back together again. But as I grabbed a hold of God, and I said, "God, whatever you do, whatever you do, it's just yes. Take this broken vessel. Turn me around. Heal me so that I can be a person that that knows you and that that loves you and just wants to follow you." And it's amazing the transformation that began to take place in my life as I just grabbed a hold of God with all that I was. God wasn't done with me. You know, sometimes when we think we're at the end of ourselves, God puts us in the oven and cranks up the heat even more. And you're like, are you serious? There's, I can't be stretched any further. I'm like stretched to the max. But God, the great physician of our lives, knows exactly how much we can take and can And many times we squeal way before it's time to squeal because we just don't like discomfort. We don't like pain. We don't like um, coming to an end of ourselves. And I I graduated from college and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And I had a degree in landscape architecture. I was working for a landscape architecture firm. I was involved in two great churches. And then the 2008 economy collapse happened. I had a house, I had a car. I was doing a lot of great things with ministry. And in this economy collapse, I lost my job and then eventually I couldn't, I couldn't support myself and I ended up losing my house. I remember the day putting all of my furniture out of my doors, my, my uh, driveway. I had a short window of time to sell stuff and I ended up having to give it all away. And I literally lost everything. And I moved home to my dad and stepmom's basement in Indiana after living away from home for 11 years, and I was in their basement for two years without a vehicle, rebounding financially. And I had a close friend call me up and say, well, you must be in sin or doing something wrong. Why is all this stuff happening to you? Sometimes when you're in a difficult spot, even your friends start criticizing you, and they have no clue what God's doing. But God was at work behind the scenes. You see, I still had a critical spirit, and a critical spirit towards people who struggled financially. I was good with my money and I lost everything and I had to declare bankruptcy and I was labeled and all these things. And God was like, Corey, you can't be used to help people that struggle financially with a proud, haughty spirit. And I'm ripping that out of you. I got to the point where there was nothing left in me but powder. I was just like sand powder. And God was like, this is good because now my Holy Spirit can blow you wherever I wanna blow you. And you'll be formed in the image I want you to be. And God began to raise me up and I started working for an organization called Destiny Rescue. It's an anti trafficking organization and I served this ministry for eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. Served them. And all of that while I went through a lot of very difficult things in this ministry. Being stretched, dying to self. And God when the time was right, took me out of those fires and I became a completely different person. I became a person that God could use because it was no longer about me. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three teenage boys that were taken from the land of uh, the promised land of Israel They were taken into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar. And one day, King Nebuchadnezzar built this golden statue and said, I want all my people to bow before it. And these three teenage boys said, we're not gonna bow to that. We serve the living God. So he was so upset, the king was so upset that he threw the teenage boys into the fiery furnace. He threw them into the fiery furnace and he was amazed that they didn't burn up. He looked in there and the only, they, they bound them all with ropes, all three teenage boys. And this is what's so powerful is that these teenage boys, the ropes burned off of them and they were freely moving about in the fire, unburned. And there was a fourth in there that looked like the son of God. God was with the teenage boys in the fire He didn't keep them or prevent them from the fire, but he was in the fire with them. And the only thing that burned up were the things that bound them. The fiery trial that you're in right now, what is God using it for to burn up in your life? Anger, resentment, pride, lust, selfishness, things that will keep you from God's very best in your life. You see, without trials, fiery trials, things that don't make sense, we don't lean into God and look to him with all of our heart. It's easy to turn away. And God uses these things to purify us, to help us take on his nature. And when we come through it, we're, we're people that he can use for his eternal glory and we can make an eternal impact wherever God sends us. And I believe that's what he's doing with people here tonight. That some of you are in the trial of your life. You don't even know which way's up, but somehow, someway, you came tonight and God is stirring in your heart. There's something stirring that says, I need to trust God. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Open the door of your heart to him. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to trust him because he's worth trusting. 21 years later, this year, God began to put in my heart, now's the time to start these Encounter God Nights and Cory Nichols Ministries. And you know what? To be honest with you, I was in some ways eager to do it, in other ways, just like Moses. I'm like, I think you got the wrong person, because I know what that means. I'm sharing more of my life story, things that are uncomfortable for me. But you know, I would rather be a trophy of his grace than point people to me. I want to point people to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is worthy. Man, you can come up. You can come up, band. Moses chose to trust God. Joseph chose to trust God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to trust God. And I'm on this journey of learning to trust God. And I can tell you from the years I've lived and the difficult waters I've walked through that God is faithful. That his promises are yes and amen. And the things he put in your heart at just the right time, he wants to bring to pass. He is faithful to do it. He's carefully watching over your life, and looking and saying, it needs to cook a little bit longer. Ah, not quite done yet, but almost there. And he's inviting each of us tonight to say, God, to trust him by faith, to trust him by faith. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. He will get you to your final destination. You will step into your promised land and you will look back and you will say, thank you, Jesus, you allowed me to go through that. Not that you're grateful for the pain or the difficulty that you went through, but you're thankful for what it did in your life. It taught you to trust God. It taught you... God is, and that he is truly faithful. I can tell you every valley I've walked through taught me more about God than I ever did on a mountaintop experience. And I would not trade any of these difficult waters in my life because I'm a person that has a heart and compassion for people. And so as we spend the rest of tonight worshiping, we're gonna do three more songs. This is what we want to do. We wanna give you an opportunity to get real with God. This is between you and God, this is no one else. This isn't between um, you and your friends, but between you and the living God who knows you by name. He just wants you to open the door of your heart to him and say, God, help me to trust you. Help me to trust you when life doesn't make sense. Would everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes? If this message spoke to you and you want me to pray for you right now, I just want you to raise your hand. I wanna, I wanna pray a, a, a message of faith over you. Come on, there's hands going up. Anyone else, you just say, hey, this message was for me and I want to trust God when life doesn't make sense. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you that you're the eternal God and that you see further than we see, and that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray God for those that have come in tonight discouraged, beat down, feeling defeated, that they would leave here feeling with hope, courage and strength, knowing that you're with them, knowing that you see them in the storm that they're facing. And Father, I pray that you would encourage them, put wind in their sails, Give them the grace to keep trusting you. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. We ask that all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.